Come on, let's celebrate Christmas together, everybody. Oh, man. Hey, it's so good to see you. Welcome to ACF. Uh, if I haven't seen you since Easter, welcome back. Some of y'all, I get it. Uh, some of you guys are doing grandma a favor by coming to church. That's totally cool. We're glad that you're here. Uh, listen, it is such a joy to celebrate Christmas together. And we really believe that the Christmas story is the greatest story. And uh, I think for a lot of us, maybe you're not that excited about Christmas this year. And I, and I get that. I haven't felt like I'm into Christmas many times. But I've realized that when I'm not into Christmas, it's because I'm not really understanding the greater story that's going on here. Because here's the deal. When you know the whole story of Christmas, it becomes the greatest story. It really does. Like if you're like, I don't think it's the greatest story, it's because you don't understand it. It's because you don't understand that there's so much going on here. So we wanted to do here tonight was starting in Genesis, leading you all the way through the Bible. You know, some of y'all heard more of Scripture in the past 30 minutes than you have your entire year, right? Like, there's a lot of Bible there because we wanted to give you the whole story. There's so much going on here in the story of Christmas. You know, one of the things I love in Alaska is camping. And a lot of times we'll go out and we'll light a fire and we'll stand around this fire till like it gets dark, which is like 2 a.m., right, in Alaska. And, uh, and a lot of times it'll get a little colder. And so um, I'll start trying to do the rotisserie thing to stay warm. Do you do this? You know, kind of moving my way around the fire. And then a lot of times I'll see off in the distance the shadow of myself dancing on the trees in the distance. And it's kind of fun to watch. But when you look at your shadow dancing off of the fire, you realize it's, it's really a distorted version of you, right? Like It's not quite shaped just like you are, and yet kind of it is you. And it's interesting, Paul talks about reflections in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, For now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. What Paul's talking about is this reality that he's, he's caught only a glimpse of what's to come. And, and what you need to know is that, that we are getting in this life only a glimpse of the glory that's to be experienced for those who are in Christ Jesus. Like, like there's so much more to come. It's, it's such a greater story than so many of us realize is that there's good, good things to come. And he talks about a reflection. And uh, when he talks about a mirror... He didn't have mirrors like we have. We have really good mirrors, right? For him, a mirror was like basically a polished piece of metal. And a polished piece of metal, as you could imagine, was a little distorted. And just like your shadow from a fire, your image on a mirror is a slightly distorted, imperfect image of what, will, what actually is you. And, and what Paul's saying is like, I'm only getting a picture through this life of what is to come in Jesus. And so I want you to think about the most transcendent moment of your life. Like, like the moment that you felt like God was so near, the moment of maybe deepest joy in your life. I want you to know that no matter how joyful or transcendent that moment was, it is just a taste of what's to come, a taste of what is promised for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Jesus actually came to give us more than just a shadow which is really good news. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is God in the flesh, God incarnate. And he says things like this, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. 
And so if you ever wonder what God is like, if you're here and you're going, man, I, I'm not sure what God is like, you need to read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are, are really the story of Jesus. And if you understand Jesus, you understand God. Because Jesus is God in the flesh. That's what we celebrate at Christmas is that, like, God showed up. How cool is that? Like, God comes to earth. But here's the deal. If your understanding of Jesus begins and ends with Christmas, it's just not that great of a story. And for you, if you're here and you're like, this is about as much of the story as I get every year. It's just like a little bit of, oh, baby in a manger, right? I get why you're not that excited and you're just thinking about the meat you need to put on the Traeger here in a couple hours, right? Like, I get why you're thinking about what you need to do tomorrow and that this is just sort of a stop on the way to the next thing. Because for you, your understanding of Jesus begins and ends with Christmas. And that's just not that great of a story. Think of a time in your life where you had only part of a story. Uh, can we agree that if you only have part of the story, it's going to create some problems, right? Like maybe somebody's been kind of gossiping you, to you about somebody, and they're like, oh, did you hear what she did? Or did you hear what he did? And as they're talking, you're realizing, I'm probably only getting part of the story. And if you're not wise enough to realize you've only got part of the story, some things are going to go wrong. First, you're going to make some false judgments, right? Because you don't have all of the information. You might give some bad advice because you don't know what to tell them to do because you only have part of the story. You might pick the wrong side, right? You're like, oh yeah, she's terrible. And then later you're like, oh yeah, she's not that terrible. I just didn't have all of the story. Maybe you're going to see people incorrectly because you only have part of the story. And in the end, if you only have part of the story, it's going to cost you something. And I would say the same is true about many people, maybe you in the room here tonight, you've only got part of the story. And because of that, you're making some false judgments about God, about Christianity, about the Bible, about the church. Maybe because you only have part of the story, you give bad advice. You're like, ah, Christianity, it's just a crutch for the weak. It's something unnecessary. Like, you don't need that in your life. Like, you just take care of yourself. Maybe because you've only got part of the story, you pick the wrong side. You end up on the wrong side of God, which I just promise you is a bad place to be. Maybe because you got part of the story, you see people who bear the image of God as, as worthless. And maybe, here's the deal, like don't miss this, if you have only part of the story, it's going to cost you something. So we want to give you the whole story, and the whole story begins in Genesis with this beautiful creation. God breathes life into humanity, right? And, and, and God walks with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening, and they have this perfect relationship until sin enters the world, right? And when sin enters the world, that relationship is fractured, and we are still feeling the effects of sin today. Now, here's what we need to understand. If you're going to understand the story of Christmas, you need to understand this reality, and that's that apart from Jesus, we are nothing but sinners. And I know that's like, you're like, dang, Brian, it's Christmas. But here's the deal. Like, this is part of Christmas, you got to understand sin, and, and I know that this rubs against the current cultural narrative, which is the exact opposite, which isn't that people are naturally bad, it's that they're just naturally good, right? That's the story uh, in the world today. In fact, like my daughter likes listening to country, and we heard this song called People Are Good. He's like, I believe that people are good. You guys know this song? Just me. Okay, anyway, I hate the song because it's all about how like people are just naturally good at their root. And I, and I know that most of us want to believe this, but here's the deal. Most of my friends that believe that people are naturally good apart from God aren't parents, right? Can I get an amen from the parents in the room? Like, y'all know what I'm talking about here. 
I have three kids, and I know this. I know that nobody had to teach my children to try to devour each other, right? Right? You, you put a two-year-old on the ground with a candy bar next to another two-year-old, and then you tell them, hey, share in equal parts and step back and watch the drama unfold, right? Like, you didn't have to teach them to pull each other's hair, to poke each other's eyeballs out, to get as much chocolate as possible, but they do because they're, they're human beings, right? The Bible says we're actually born into sin, and not just kids, like, let's, let's start with us. I mean, for me, nobody has to teach me to want to lie to hide my weaknesses. Nobody has to teach me to speak things that are hurtful to my wife or my kids. Like, nobody has to teach me to try to hide from people uh, who I really am because I'm afraid I won't be accepted. Nobody has to teach me to be proud and arrogant and, and not want to apologize when I need to apologize. Like, these things are in me because that's, that's how I was born. I was born into sin. You see a lot of people every Christmas, they talk about how, you know, we need to put Christ back into Christmas, and, you know, they kind of fight the culture war, and it's like, oh, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season, right? We say that a lot. Jesus is the reason for the season. But I'm here to tell you tonight that Jesus is not the reason for the season. You are. I am. Jesus was doing just fine in heaven. Like, he was doing just fine. Philippians says that he stepped out of heaven. And he made himself the form of a servant, took on flesh of humanity, right? So that he could, he could walk with us and ultimately save us. The reason for the season is that Jesus loved us enough to come to earth to rescue us from our sins. That's the re- if, if we didn't sin, there'd be no need for Christmas. We have to acknowledge that reality, that we sin, and we need a rescuer. 1 John 3 uh, Verse 4 says, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he, being Jesus, appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. So this is the story. If you're like, why Christmas? Why did Jesus come to earth? What was the purpose? We just read it. He came to take away our sins. We have to receive that and go, okay, so maybe I'm not perfect. If you think you're perfect, there's no need for Christmas. You are wasting your time hearing this story. If you think that you can fix yourself and heal yourself, there's no need for Christmas. And you, again, we are taught from a very young age, we are taught that we are, we are perfect little beings, right? Like you're taught that you're a perfect little snowflake from the moment that you're born. Just grow up and express yourself however you want to, and you do you, right? But what happens when I do me and I hurt you? What happens when I do me and it's evil? And it's destructive to myself and to the people around me. You see, I think we realize that, that we have sin in our hearts. And if we just sort of live out our desires, it does not create a beautiful world. It creates a world of destruction. And friends, this is the world that we live in. This is the world that we live in. It's a world of destruction. And that's why Jesus came. And that's why Christmas is such a big deal. That we celebrate this every year. The Messiah has come. The Rescuer is here this is really, really good news. See, Jesus didn't just come as a baby in a manger. It's not just about a Christmas tree, but Jesus comes and grows up into a man who dies on a tree that becomes a cross, right? He dies for our sins. So, so this is the story, but then how does it end? Well, there's this guy named John that has this vision of the end, and we read about this vision. God tells him, hey, you should write that down because 
ACF Church in 2022 is going to need to read some of these words. And so John writes down this vision, and we read about it in Revelation chapter 21. He says this, he says, He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything, say this word with me, new. Everything new. So who's seated on the throne? Church answer is Jesus. That's right. Good, good job. Nailed it. Jesus is seated on the throne, and he speaks from his throne and says about the world, I'm going to make everything new. Like that is, that is really, really good news. Or is it for you? Like is that what you want? Do you want newness? Because I'll be honest, can we do some real talk on Christmas Eve? Anybody? Like, give me just a nod in your head if you want. Okay, some, some real talk, right? Real talk here on Christmas Eve. Most of us don't want Jesus to make us new. We want Jesus to make our lives better. We just want him to fix our problems, right? So Jesus sort of becomes like an accessory to our lives, like a little handbag that we carry around, right? Like, I got my Jesus on today. And then when we're done with him, we put him back on the shelf and live our lives. Because we don't want Jesus to make us new. We're not ready for that kind of commitment. We just want him to fix our problems. But Jesus doesn't show up to the world and say, I'm just going to kind of tweak things. I'm just going to tweak you. Right? Because it, if you are just like a decent human being, which many people are like, listen, I'm pretty decent. The question is, by whose standard are we decent? Right? Right? And this is what everybody says. Well, I'm not Mother Teresa, but I'm not Hitler. It's like, well, is that your standard? Right? Like, I mean, how do you know if you're a decent person, right? It's just all completely relative. So we go like, well, I'm a decent person, and, and we got to just make my life better. And God's like, no, 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 you are a sinner in need of saving, right? You're not just a mistaker that needs some fixing. You are a sinner in need of saving. You need to be completely restored and made new. Jesus doesn't show up to the world and just kind of create a better version of a bad idea. He doesn't come from the world and go like, I'm going to just create like a better religion and give you some better laws to follow. No, he gives you a new way of life and literally makes you new. And as John talks about the story of this new creation, what you realize is, I don't know what you believe about heaven. A lot of people have images of like, you know, we kind of get some wings and we float around our, on clouds. And, and if that's your image of heaven, I'm not surprised if you're not that excited about it. You're like, that just sounds boring, right? Like, I don't want some heaven like that. But that's not what the Bible says heaven is like. Heaven is, is this moment, like we, we go to heaven when we die, but then we look forward to this moment that, that Jesus actually establishes his kingdom here, that he recreates the world in this new creation. And one of the things that, uh, that I, I would love someday is to spend Christmas Eve in New York City. Anybody been to New York City in the room here? Have you been around Christmas time? Like, I got to go about a month before Christmas one year, and they were starting to decorate, and it was like magic. And, and, and it is because it's, it's in all the Christmas movies, right? It's, it's such a big deal because it's just this beautiful place. What's interesting is when the Bible talks about how this whole story ends, it, it, it talks about how God's going to establish his kingdom here, and there's going to be this new city that's created. It's called the New Jerusalem, this new place where God and humanity dwell, where you actually live at peace with God and at peace with everyone in the world. Isn't that a good story? Like, imagine a city like that, right? Not like a run-down, dingy community, but like, this is a city of beauty and peace and glory of God in every single way. Like, that's how the story 
ends. You see, Christmas, this story, is actually a sequel story. And in the sequel, Jesus returns not as a baby in a manger, but as a warrior on a white horse. And he wipes out everything evil in the world and establishes his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, y'all. Like, that's exciting. That's good news, right? And here's, this is why this is our vision as a church, is that it would be in Alaska as it is in heaven. It's because we believe that it's our call to bring little bits of heaven to the world every time that we do anything. We want to bring heaven to the world. Now, what does this new city look like? Well, um, we actually see like a reversal of Genesis in Revelation. Can we get that slide up? You see, in Genesis, we see that heaven and earth is created. And then in Revelation, we see the new heavens and the new earth come. In Genesis, the sun is created, but then there's no need for the sun. We see the night is established, then there's no night there. The seas are created, then there are no more seas. We see that there's the curse that is announced on the world through sin, then there's no more curse. Amen? We see that death enters history, and praise God, there will be no more death. We see that man is driven from the tree, and then we see man is restored to paradise through the tree of the cross, right? We see that sorrow and pain begin, and then there's no more tears and no more pain in this new creation. That's a beautiful story. If you're not excited about Christmas, it's because you don't get the whole story. Because when you get the whole story of Christmas, it becomes the greatest story. Now here, let's be honest about this Christmas, is that I know you want it to be perfect tomorrow, right? I know you want the perfect day where everything's perfect, everybody's happy, but let's be honest, like, things are not perfect in this world. And some of you will be reminded of that tomorrow when you sit down at the table for Christmas dinner and you realize that there's someone who should be sitting at the table that's not this year. And you grieve the loss of that person. Maybe, maybe today you're like, Brian, I'm sitting in this place in the row because I'm just trying to keep the two people next to me from devouring one another, right? Like, like there's, there's de- devouring going on in your family. There's dissension in your family. It's not, a, it's not a Hallmark Christmas movie, right, in your house right now. It's just broken. And I know those things are real and they should be grieved, but as you grieve those things... They're intended to point you to a future where although things are not as they should be, one day they will be. That's the promise. And so we get to look forward to that reality when Jesus will make every wrong right, where there will be no more death and no more sorrow and no more pain. But here's the deal. This is for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is for those who really are ready and have have made the commitment to follow Jesus. And I don't know about you, maybe what you two is, you are looking forward to heaven because you're like, yeah, this world is terrible and it's going to hell in a handbasket. So your evening prayer is like, God, just take me. Jesus, take me now, right? And, and while I understand that prayer, sometimes we can get so obsessed with the heaven to come that we forget that it's our job to bring heaven here. When Jesus came to earth, heaven came down. Do you realize that? It's why when Jesus went through the, the cities and the towns that he went to, he healed the sick and gave sight to the blind because Jesus was showing them a little bit of heaven. He was giving them a small reflection, just a shadow of what would come in this new creation that God promises. And it's our job not to just be focused on this heaven to come, but if you're a Christian here today, it's your job to bring Christmas to the world every moment. And I'm not talking about a stupid hat or a Christmas song. I'm talking about bringing Jesus, the presence of God, to your workplace, to your school, and to your home every moment of the day. Lest we fall into the trap spoken about my favorite 
uh, by my favorite three theologian, Johnny Cash. He says this. He says, you are so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. So there's a challenge for you, right? You don't be so heavenly minded that you're of, so, of no earthly good that we don't see that it's our job to change this world around us. John goes on in uh, Revelation 21. Bible John, not Johnny Cash. John, just some of you are like, what? He wrote the Bible? Almost. Uh, Revelation 21, 7 says this. It says, those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. So in other words, there are those who will be victorious in the end. The Greek word for victorious in this text is the word Nike, which is where we get the brand Nike. Nike, it's my shoes. By the way, thanks, Amanda. These were a gift for my 40th birthday. So got some Nikes for my 40th birthday. And uh, Nike or Nike simply means overcomer. Right? So kids, tell your parents, Nikes get you to heaven. So there you go. Um, that's, that's heresy. Don't tell your parents that. It's not true. But Nike or Nike means overcomer. And so John is saying that in the end, there are those who will overcome. Praise God. So if there are those who will overcome, what that implies is that there are those who will not. So there are those here today who will harden their heart to the truth of the gospel to the idea that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And what that means is that you will not overcome because you've been overcome by the story of the world. The story that the world has given you, which is that you just live your life, you do you, try to be as happy as possible, and when you die, you disappear, and none of it matters anyway. Some of you will be overcome by that story. Maybe you're overcome by the story of the self-help movement, which is just like, hey, read another book, and make some commitments, and you can fix yourself. But I always tell people this, like, the, the problem with the self-help movement is that myself is the problem. I can't fix myself because I am the problem, right? And, so, and let's be honest, you guys. Like, if, you, if you're honest with yourself and you think, no, I, can, I think I can get myself together, have you ever broken a promise to yourself? Ever made a commitment and not kept it? You ever said, man, I'm never going to speak to her that way again, and then here you are again? Or I'm never going to go to that place again, and there you are at that place again? Or you're like, I'm never going to go to his house again, and there you are at his house again? Or I'm never going to take a drink of that again, and I take a drink of that again? Or I'm never going to take those pills again, and then here I am again, and again, and again? And you're reminded that if your story is that you are the Savior, this is a story that never will lead you to hope. There is never peace in being our own Savior. And in the end, if the story is that you are the Savior, then you are the center of the universe. And let me be real with you, that's a terrible story. But if your story is that Jesus is the Savior and that we receive salvation by grace through faith alone, then that's a beautiful story. That's something that we can receive by grace today. So the question is, have you received it? Like, is Jesus just sort of an accessory, or is he everything to you? Because I'll tell you, if Christmas doesn't change your life every single day, then you do not have a saving faith. Because a saving faith is a faith that submits ourselves to God. It's not a perfect faith. It's a faith like my life with all kinds of mistakes and failures, but it's a faith that submits to the power of God. It says, God, save me, heal me. That's a saving faith, and that's what we all need. Have you received the gift? And have you believed the story of Jesus? I want you to take a moment. Would you just bow your heads as we just consider this for a moment? What story do you believe? 
2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. Do you believe that tonight? It says, uh, is created new, the old life is gone, a new life emerges. Look at it. All this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and Him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. Do you believe that story? Do you believe that you can be created new? That Jesus doesn't just want to fix some of your problems, but He actually wants to make you a new creation. The promise here tonight is that everything can be wiped clean. Maybe you're thinking, like, everything but this. Let me just promise you something, friend, that the cross was enough for whatever that was or whatever that is in your life. You see, I think there's two types of people in the room here tonight. The first type of people, you're believing a story, and it's a terrible story. It's a story that places you at the center of the universe, you as your own Savior, and you will always fail yourself, just like all of us. You see, we all have a religion. We all look to something to save us, whether it's you or it's God. And maybe you're just kind of being honest with yourself tonight, and you're saying, I believe that story, and it's a terrible story. I think there's a second group of people in the room here tonight, and you'd say, yeah, Brian, I believe in Jesus. I, I know the story of Christmas, but if you're honest, at some point along the way, you sort of lost the plot line. And, and you might even look to others like you're following God, but you know in your heart that you haven't followed God for a long while. That you're not reading his word. You're not going to him in prayer. You're not gathering in community like like it's not real you've lost the plot line and there's something in your heart that yearns to know God like you used to I want you to know you can't just step forward without going to God and saying God forgive me heal me and I promise you that that will be enough for him that if you simply say God forgive me heal me if you simply open your hand to him that will be enough for him to receive you today as we pray, as we sing, as we just take a moment to consider with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want you to just ask yourself this, this question. Has the story I have believed led to hope in my life?
receive Emmanuel, God, with us. You see, this is the beauty of Christianity. Every other religion teaches you how to get to God, but in Christianity, we receive that God came to us. That you can't do anything to receive his love or grace. This reality that we all are far worse off than we ever dared to imagine, but his grace is far greater than we ever dared to hope. And he loves you more than you ever could know. And if you're here tonight and you're just like, I want to receive that, but I don't know how, I want to give you a chance to pray to receive Jesus here this evening. You can just kind of join me in your heart and pray this prayer. Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And I've tried to fix my life and heal my wounds, and I just keep coming back to the same problems. I need something greater. God, I don't want you to just fix my issues. I want you to make me new. God, would you take my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh? Father, would you make me new? And God, I know I'm going to screw this up. And I know I'm going to make some mistakes, and I'm just going to trust that your grace is sufficient for my weakness, and that your strength is made perfect when I am weak. every decision of my life. I want to make you everything. So Jesus, give me the strength I don't have. Give me the faith I don't have, God. And give me the grace that I don't have to walk with you faithfully day after day after day. I commit my life to you, Jesus. I know that I'll never be the same. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate anyone that prayed that prayer to receive Jesus here tonight? lighting some candles here. I, I want you to just don't miss this. If you prayed that prayer, would you please consider filling out the card on your seat? We just want to know that you made that decision here this evening. want to get some resources in your hand. I promise we're not going to spam you, send you a bunch of junk. We just want to get you a resource on how to move forward. I'll tell you this too. If you made that decision to follow Jesus, uh, your odds of actually growing and moving forward in your faith greatly increase if you tell someone about it. So here's my challenge to you. Just like on the ride home or if you're with us online, just maybe somebody else in the house, just let them know tonight, hey, I, I prayed a prayer to receive Jesus tonight. Maybe I don't know what that means, but I just wanted to let you know so that you can pray for me. Also, we light candles every Christmas Eve. Uh, it's, I guess it's not Christmas Eve without a fire hazard in the room, so be careful with the candles. But we light candles. Because Jesus is the light of the world. And I believe this, that, can we be real, like coming into 2023, I believe that the world is going to need more light than ever in 2023. I think the world's going to need Jesus more, more than ever. And so here's what I want you to do. If you got a candle in your hand, would you just hold it up in the air? Look around the room. Look at the light that's created in this moment. Now I want you to pull that candle down low.
what your job is in 2023, it's to share the light of Christ with everyone you know. It's to be the light of Jesus. It's to narrow the gap between who people think God is and who he really is by the way that you live and love the world around us. And I believe that as we shine our lights, we can change Eagle River for the gospel. I think we can change Alaska for the gospel. I think the world can be transformed, not through me alone, but through us as we take this mantle of the light of Christ to the world. Let's worship him together.